As we get ready for the Word of God this morning, you guys excited for this Easter Sunday? One person. Come on, you guys excited for this Easter Sunday? All right. So, Easter is the best and worst day of the, of the year for me. It's the best day because it reminds me that Jesus rose and died for my sins. The worst day if you're a pastor. Because you've got to preach a story that everyone knows. And you've got to get creative with it. I've got to make sure you guys do not fall asleep today. I've got to make sure that I don't have to see you texting or bored or anything. But if you would bless this word today and say, Lord, bless me with this word. Amen. You're going to see a side of the Easter message that I believe you've never seen before. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 8. As we read this Easter passage, the Word of God says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, which is John. And she said, They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've put him. And Peter and all the other disciples, they started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the wrappings. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. Amen. I want to preach this Sunday, this special Easter service. The title, It Was So Worth It. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help me preach. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you all for being here. It was so worth it. I heard a story of a father who planned and prepared an amazing camping trip for his son. And in this camping trip, there was a beautiful lake that he wanted his son to see and enjoy because the father enjoyed this beautiful lake as a kid. Now that day that they got up to go on this trip, That little boy was so excited because his father had always talked to him about this amazing lake with a beautiful waterfall that you can jump right out of. And this child was so excited to go to this lake. So as they drove, he couldn't help but be so excited and happy and he couldn't wait to get there. And when they arrived, it was time for them to go hiking to this lake. And as they started hiking, the the boy realized that it was taking a little bit too long. And he asked his father, Dad, it's taking too long. Are we there yet? And that father looked at his son and said, Son, son, keep going. Trust me. And as they kept going, the boy stopped the father and said, Dad, Dad, he said, yes, son, are you sure you know what you're doing? I I think we're lost. And that father looked at his son and said, Son, keep going. Trust me. And as that little boy was going, trusting his father, he stumbled on the rock and fell and got hurt. 
And that father looked at him and said, Son, get up. Keep going. And trust me. And that boy, he got up with all the strength he had. He kept going. But the boy got discouraged and he said, Dad, I don't think we're going to make it. I, I don't think I can keep going. And that dad looked at him and said, Son, keep going. And trust me. And that boy kept going and going. And he was so tired, he could barely breathe. And he told his dad, Dad, he said, Yes, son, I'm tired. Can we just stop? Can we just settle right here? This is nice enough. And the dad said, Son, Keep going. Trust me. And finally, as they kept going and going, the son got angry with the father because the son didn't understand why it was taking so long, why he never mentioned this hike, why was it so hard on him. And he said, Dad, he said, Yes, son, do you even care about me? Do you even care that I've been walking all day? Do you even care that I got hurt? Do you care that I'm tired and thirsty? Do you care? You promised me this lake, but it hasn't happened yet. And I'm just tired of everything. And the father looked at the son and said, Son, keep going. Trust me. And finally, as the boy kept going, I felt hopeless. And that boy said, I'm going back. This is over. This is hopeless. Dad, Dad, I'm going back. Dad, I want to go back. Let's just go back. And that father looked at his son and said, Son, and the son interrupts and said, Wait, let me guess. Keep going and trust you. Right? The father said, no. You made it. When that son looked up, he saw the most beautiful lake he's ever seen. He saw the waterfall his dad talked about. He was so excited to jump off it. He saw everything as the father described. And that child, every pain and every sadness and anger he had went away because it was replaced with joy and gladness. And he looked at the father and he said, Dad. And he said, Yes, son. And he said, So worth it. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. I can't believe I almost missed this. So worth it. What a picture of those disciples. They lived ordinary lives. They were ordinary people. But Jesus one day goes up to them and says, come and follow me. And I'm sure when Jesus said that, he said, come and follow me. You're going to change the world. You're going to start churches. You're going to save lives. You're going to see God transform the lives of so many people through you. And I imagine those disciples just so excited like that little boy. And they set out and followed Jesus for three years. For three years, they followed Jesus. And I'm sure that they started off excited. But then life got hard. And the journey got difficult. And it felt like an uphill hike. And there were moments that those disciples stumbled. In fact, Peter stumbled and he denied Jesus Christ a week ago of Easter. And Peter asked himself, is it worth it? I sinned beyond forgiveness. Jesus can never take me back. I denied him three times. Is it worth me even going back to Jesus? But something inside of Peter said, son, keep going and trust me. And those disciples would get hurt. 
People will try to kill them. People lied about them. People try to imprison them. And I'm sure those disciples said, is it worth our lives? Is it worth it? But something inside them said, keep going. And trust me. The disciples were in a storm and even Peter and all the disciples asked Jesus, do you even care that we're going through this? We're not going to make it. But they kept going and trusting Jesus. And on that Friday, when Jesus was crucified for our sins, those disciples hit an all-time low. Those disciples saw Jesus die. They scattered for their lives. They were worried about their future. They had no idea what was next. Everyone wanted to kill the Christians. Everyone was looking for the disciples. And the disciples were hiding that Easter weekend. And I'm sure as they were hiding in fear, I'm sure as they struggled with doubt and worry about what's next, I'm sure in the hearts of all of those disciples was that one question. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? We left our lives. Was it worth it? We, we, we left our families. Was that worth it? Peter said, I just left a fishing business. Was it worth it? Luke said, I just left my medical practice. What was it worth it? Matthew said, I left my business. I was making so much money as a tax collector. What was it worth it? Did I make a mistake following Jesus? Because right now he's dead and it's hopeless and it's over. And I don't think we're going to make it. And that Sunday morning, while those disciples were tired because they didn't get any sleep the night before, wondering, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Mary Magdalene runs in and says, guys, guys. They said, yes. And they said, they stole the body. Little Miss Drama Queen comes up and says, that's it. They stole the body. We don't know where he's at. And those disciples, just when they thought it couldn't get any worse, they get the news that the body was stolen. Not knowing that it was not a stolen body, but a resurrected body on that Easter Sunday. And when they ran, listen, they ran. They ran to that tomb. And when the disciples got to the tomb, they looked inside. At first they thought maybe she's right. Maybe they stole the body. We gotta find them. What's gonna happen? We need to find their body. Who would do such a thing? They were scared and angry. Who would steal a dead body? And as they're looking, John records this and only John. John looks over and he sees a cloth. And it was the burial cloth that Jesus was wrapped in. And he looks and he sees a towel. That was neatly folded. And you see, when John saw the folded towel, the Bible says they all believed. Why? Was because, think about this, church. If thieves will break into your house and saw a basket of unfolded laundry, and then they stole all your possession. And as they're running out, will those thieves say, wait, look over there. There's unfolded laundry. Let's go and fold it for them. Does that make any logical sense? 
And Jesus would fold that town. And those disciples knew if thieves stole the body, there is no way they would have taken the time to unwrap Jesus' body with his burial cloth and even fold it with the head cloth. There is no way a thief would have done this. And when they knew it was not a thief, they knew right there and then, no, he has risen. Jesus talked about this. Jesus told us about this. He's alive. He's alive. And all of them in that tomb were together celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And they realized that even though that Friday was hard when Jesus was crucified, and that Saturday was even harder when everyone was silent and God was doing nothing, and that Sunday they woke up tired and difficult because they didn't know what they were doing, but when they saw that empty tomb and they were all together, they all celebrated and they said, so worth it. It was so worth it. And I'm sure that they were all together reminiscing of everything they went through. And I mean, guys, remember when we almost died? Man, that was so worth it now that I see this. Remember that storm that Peter, you almost drowned, dude. You almost drowned. And Peter's like, yeah, so worth it though. And remember when we had no food to eat or no place to lay our head and we were wondering what God was going to do? Man, so worth it. Look at all of this. Look at everything God has done when we thought it was over. Remember just yesterday boys just yesterday we were crying like babies and we were hopeless and we were doubting God but look at us now he is risen it was so worth it and I'm here to tell someone this Easter Sunday that it is so worth following Jesus Christ there is nothing in this world worth replacing Jesus for and they said it was so worth it. When I was reading this Easter message, I never realized this. But that empty tomb was a picture of what heaven was going to look like. Because that empty tomb represented a place of life and not death. That empty tomb reminded me of what heaven's going to look like. And I think God did that on purpose. Because just when we thought it was hopeless, just when we thought we were dead in our sin, Jesus shows up. He dies on the cross. Sin has been paid for. He rose again and said it was finished. That is it. You have the opportunity now to serve Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven. And they thought it was hopeless. But the Bible says when they ran, they arrived at that empty tomb. Notice that when they got there, I would imagine that they smiled. They were laughing. They were all together. They were celebrating, knowing that because he had resurrected, sin was conquered. Death was slain. They had hope. Everything was paid for. And there was no more doubt, no more fear, no more disappointment, no more anger, no more weeping. And all of them with great joy said it was so worth it. Do you want to know what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be the followers of Jesus Christ getting together, celebrating, laughing, saying, wow, it was so worth it. It was so worth giving my life to Jesus. And there's going to be no more fear, no more disappointment, no more heartbreak, no more bitterness, no more anger, no more struggle. Everything is gone. The new things have arrived. And we're all going to be together like those disciples were together in that tomb, glorified, new in our body, saying he's alive, and because he's alive, we're alive, and they're all together celebrating. <laughs> saying so worth it. And I know that Ford Fellowship has a special place in heaven. And we're all going to go to our little corner there. 
I'll be in my mansion, so let me know how that party goes. But some of you are going to be in that corner. You're going to look back at everything we went through as a church. You're going to remember everything you went through in your personal life. You're going to remember the people that laughed at you, the people that rejected you. You're going to remember the sin of your past. You're going to remember everything, but you're going to look around in your new glorified body that you did not get at some gym. You're going to look at your new glorified body, look around and say, girl, I love your body. Oh, no, I love your body. You're going to look at everyone. Some of you are going to have hair. Do you remember that? Some of you are going to be skinny. We're going to be healthy. Jay's going to have hair. Imagine that. And we're all going to look at each other. And I promise you, we're going to say, so worth it. Because faith in Jesus and dying to our sin and living for Him so worth it. See, on that Easter weekend, we don't talk about this. I don't know why, but that, that Friday and Saturday, the rest of the world crucified Jesus. And that Friday and Saturday, everyone that did not follow Jesus, they were out enjoying their weekend, enjoying the Sabbath, celebrating. They were laughing it up, thinking that they were right and we were wrong and everyone was fine. And sometimes when you're following Jesus, it's going to look like the world is having fun. It's going to look like the world has no problems. And when you started following Jesus, it looked like the whole world went against you. But if you trust God, our Father, and you keep going, you're going to see at the end, so worth it. Amen? So worth it. Revelations 21, 3-4 says this about heaven. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. Notice what Jesus says he's going to do for us in heaven. He's going to wipe away every tear. And I guarantee that when those disciples got to that tomb, they wiped their tears, maybe with the cloth he left over. Because they realized it was worth it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. That's what that tomb represents. It was no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. My favorite, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. Come on, give God praise for heaven. We're all going to sit there and say, so worth it. See, the first reason that the tomb represents heaven is because the believers are the ones that are going to gather together and celebrate life, not death. Because in Jesus Christ, we've been made alive. And our sin is dead. But there's an interesting part of this Easter message that I think a lot of us overlook. But John wrote about it. And maybe because John and Peter always had a little competition going. But the Bible says that, look at verse 6 and 8. And I imagine in heaven, Peter's asking John, why did you put that in there? Why did you write that? Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed all the linen wrappings lying there. Or the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. And the disciples who had reached the tomb one first also went in and saw and believed. You know what John is saying here? 
Peter was last. Peter was last. We got there first. And when I read that, I said, why would you even throw that in the Easter story? Why would you write, by the way, Peter was so slow, we outran him, and we got, he got there last. It's because the tomb is a picture of heaven. Remember, it's a place where we all gather. We all celebrate life, not death. But then I realized something. Heaven's going to be full of Peters. You barely made it. And Peter represents better late than never. You see, those first disciples, those other ten, they outran Peter. They were just making it look easy and got there first. To me personally, that represents those that grew up in the church, got saved at preschool. They, just, they know the Bible. They had their parents there. They went to church every Sunday. They found faith early on. They were teenagers. They said, I gave my life to church to Jesus at 14, 15 years old. I've never been out in the world. That was fine. I, I grew up in the house of God. Those, those are the ones that got there. They got it easy. But see, the majority of people, at least here at Forward, are Peter. Some of you didn't have it so easy growing up. Some of you were out there in the world. And I asked myself, why was Peter last? Maybe he stumbled. And some of you are stumbling your whole lives till you met Jesus. Maybe Peter was going slow because he just denied Jesus three times a few days earlier. And maybe he was just thinking, should I go? Shouldn't I go? But what? Okay, but what if he doesn't forgive me? What if he's mad? I don't know. And all the other disciples were passing him. And maybe that's why he was late. Maybe he was late because he made a wrong turn and got lost. And some of you, you have made wrong turns in your life and you were lost. But the important truth about Peter is what the Bible says. He arrived. And when I read that, I said, Lord, thank you for the late arrivals. Because I know in our church we have late arrivals. That some of you that found Jesus late on in life, you look back and say, man, I wish I would have known this earlier. I wish I would have grown up in the church. I wish I would have had Christian parents. I wish I would have grown up hearing Pastor David speak. I wish, but I was so lost and my family was lost and I was out in the clubs and out in the world and partying and drinking and having sex and being wild and it wasn't worth it. I wish I would have had this earlier. But let me tell you, you something. It is better that you have late than never. So stop looking at all the other Christians that seem to have it easier than you and they make it look easy and they're all running you. You thank God that some of you here, you're going to stumble your way into heaven. You're going to go limping, say, man, I almost didn't make it. And Jesus is still going to look at you and say, welcome home. Better late than never. And Peter made it. He arrived. See, heaven's going to be a place where you're going to have those faithful followers like John. John got there first. John was the one that the Bible says Jesus loved. John was powerful. John was loyal. John was always just right by Jesus' side. And then you had all messed up Peter. That got there. And I love that the, those disciples, let me tell you something. Those disciples didn't look at Peter and say, it's about time. Those disciples didn't say, why did you take so long? Why did you stumble? Why did you get lost? Why weren't you with us? They all celebrated together. Can I tell you something, what heaven's going to look like? We're all not going to compete with one another. We're all not going to say, oh, you were a pastor, you were this, you did that. Oh, but I know. We're all going to share the glory of Jesus Christ together. 
Can you thank God? If you're a late arrival, show me your hands. I'm a late arrival. I did not grow up in a home. God bless you. I will see you in heaven. But see, that tomb is also a picture of heaven. Not because of the old, the early arrivals. Not because of the late arrivals. But I want to remind you that on that Easter, there was one disciple that should have been there. That was Judas. And Judas could have been in that tomb with the rest of his brothers, celebrating the life and the new life in Jesus Christ. They have all could have been there together saying, so worth it, the three years we followed Him. It was hard. It, it was difficult. But it was so worth it. But what about Judas? Judas wasn't there. But see, Judas was with Jesus for three years. And you know what heaven's going to look like? There's going to be a lot of people that should have been there, but they're not. There's going to be people in hell like Judas that had every opportunity to follow Jesus, truly follow Him. See, if anyone you thought was saved was Judas, because Judas followed Jesus for three years, he sacrificed everything to follow Him. He was there when Jesus would preach. He was there when Jesus taught the sermons and taught the classes and healed the people and healed the sick and fed the hungry. He was there and following Jesus all this time. Judas prayed. Judas preached as well. Judas did everything that all the other disciples did. And when you looked at Judas, you said, for sure this guy knows Jesus. For sure this guy is saved. For sure this guy is going to be in heaven when we all get there. But when the tomb was empty and the disciples were there, Judas was not. Because I believe that God is showing us that there are people that will not enter the kingdom of heaven who should have been there because they had every opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ. They had every chance. But Judas would not. And the Bible says that Judas was with Jesus for three years. But not once did Judas repent of his sin. For Judas, it was just another day. Just another sermon. Just another day with Jesus. And many of us, we treat Jesus that way. Maybe this Easter you're in church because it's just another Easter Sunday. But you have not repented of your sins. You have not committed your life to Jesus. And you're going to leave this Sunday morning like Judas with every opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you are going to reject Him. And you're going to go back into that world. And maybe you'll stumble your way back to this church next year. Maybe you'll pray. Maybe you'll hear another sermon from me. Maybe you'll sing another song with Frankie. But you're not going to surrender your life to Jesus. You're not going to repent of your sins. You're going to desire the world and not Christ. And you're going to have another opportunity and another opportunity. And Judas had three opportunities every year for three years. He had every opportunity to follow Jesus. But he would not because in the heart of Judas, he was more important and he thought he had to have money. Money was what he wanted. He wanted pleasure. He wanted power. He wanted everything. And he thought Jesus could not give him that. So he rejected Christ to follow the world. And when Judas died because of his depression, he committed suicide. Judas is now in hell realizing the answer was always right in front of him. But I was too ignorant and too stuck stupid and stubborn to see it that Jesus was always in front of me and I turned my back on him and I guarantee that Judas right now is in hell and the one thing he is saying it was not worth it it was not worth it the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 36 and 37 Jesus would say this profound question. And if there's any question you want to know that Jesus asked, 
I believe this one is the one to remember. Jesus says, what benefit do you have? Notice, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? Let's imagine what that looks like. Let's say you get everything you want out of this earth. You get the house. You get the car. You get the relationship. You get the money. You go to the parties. You have the rental home, the vacation homes, the boat, the helicopter. The whole world is yours. You are powerful. You are influential. Everyone looks at you and says, wow, if I only had her life and his life, their life is amazing. They can buy what they want, wear what they want, drive what they want, live what they want, do what they want. The whole world is there. And Jesus said, let's just say you had the whole world, but you lose your soul. Jesus says, is anything worth? Notice that word. Is anything worth more than your soul? Not worth it. There is nothing on this earth worth more than a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. Because it all goes. My fear is that the church is full of Judas. People who outwardly look like they're saved. Because they think that it's by works that they're saved. And the Bible is clear that it's not by works that you're saved, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. There are those that say, well, I, I go to church, I went to Easter, I, 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 I did this, I did that, I believe, yeah, I believe that in Jesus. Listen, the devil believes in Christ. Believe me, he ain't going to heaven. I want to ask you this morning. Have you repented and turned from your sins? And asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior and the Lord of your life? Or like Judas, do you only have an outward appearance of surrender, but inwardly you're in, it's still about you. But you know what's shocking about Judas? who should have been in that tomb celebrating life, instead was experiencing death. One of the last conversations Jesus had with his disciples before he died was warning Judas about hell. You know, Pastor, where is that in the Bible? I'm glad you're asking. Matthew 26, 24 through 26. I want to read it here. This is at the table. And Jesus is with his disciples. And on Wednesday night, Bible study, we have a Bible study, maybe you don't know that. But on Wednesday night, they were all together. And I asked this question on Wednesday, if it was the last conversation of your life, what would you talk about? Because whatever you choose to talk about will show you where your heart is. And Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples on those days following up to Easter. And he said, for the Son of Man must die, as scriptures declare long ago. But how terrible, listen to this language, how terrible will it be for the one who betrays him? Who betrayed Jesus? Judas. Jesus is talking about it. How terrible it's going to be for the one who betrays him. And notice the warning Jesus gives. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Now, I want to pause that verse for a second. Jesus says it's going to be it would have been better for that person to have never been born. Because Jesus is talking about hell. For all of you people that said, well, hell was a metaphor. Hell is not a physical place. 
If you're a Christian, you die, you go to heaven. But if you're not, you just die and cease to exist. Can I tell you an honest to God question? If that logic were true, why would Jesus then say it would, it has, it would be better for you not to have ever been born? Think about that. But look at the next verse. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Now hold that verse, Gabby. Don't, don't move it. Notice what Judas says. Wait a minute. A -a am I the one? You know why Judas was the one that asked? Because Judas knew God was talking to him. And today I'm here to tell you God is talking to you. He's talking directly to you. And you know it because you're looking around you're saying, is he talking to me? Judas was sitting right before Easter, eating with Jesus, fellowshipping. And Jesus said, it's going to be better, Judas, that you were never born than what you're about to face in hell. And even Judas was convicted and said, are you talking about me? Judas knew Jesus was talking about him because Judas already planned to betray Jesus. But see, when Jesus, when Jesus said this, he was telling Judas, Judas, I know you. I know your heart. I know your desires. I know what you're planning. I know you are lost. But Judas, I'm warning you, you don't have to go there. And Judas said, is it, is it me? And Jesus, he didn't say yes or no. I love what Jesus says here. Jesus told him, you said it. You know what that means? It's up to you. It's up to you. Judas gets up. And he didn't know that would be his last opportunity to repent and turn his life to Jesus. And instantly Judas just, he turns his back on Jesus. He goes out, and the very first thing he did was he got the money he earned from betraying Jesus. Money. You'd be surprised how many people turn their back on Jesus for money, pleasure, material possessions. Judas bought some land with that money. Wow, he bought property. What good is property in hell? What good is a new house in hell? What good is a new car in hell? What good is anything that Jesus asks? Is anything worth your soul? But what's amazing about Easter, that none of us touch this, but it goes together with the Easter message, is that the last conversation Jesus would have before his resurrection, he was trying to reach out to Judas. See, and on that Sunday, while all the other disciples who weren't perfect gathered in that empty tomb, celebrating life in Christ. And yes, some of them got there first. Others were late arrivals. But my fear this morning is that some of you here will not arrive at all. And you will be forever lost. And you're going to look back at this very Easter Sunday with this very Easter message and opportunity to know Jesus, and you're going to look back and say, wasn't worth it. Let me close with this, church. Is it worth your soul? That Easter, when those disciples ran to that empty tomb, Instantly, they knew he's risen. And instantly, they were overwhelmed with joy and they said, so And some of you here this morning, you're like John. You know you're in. You grew up in the church. You gave your life to Jesus and repented your, of your sins at an early age. You don't have one of those 
strong. We call it a strong testimony that you were out in the world. You were out there drugged up and drunk and lost and in some dark alley somewhere. And then Christ came. You don't have any of those stories. Some of your greatest testimonies is I was at church on Sunday. The pastor preached. I gave my life to Jesus. The rest was history. If that's you this morning, would you show me your hand? God bless you. You. Amen. You. You. Come on, where are my late arrivals at? Where are my Peters? Joanna, amen. Late arrivals. Kevin, for sure, Kevin, you're a late arrival, buddy. <laughs> late arrivals. My father-in-law, Jay, late arrivals. Can we give God praise for late arrivals? Come on. They're, no, they're not worse than us. We're not better than them. We were blessed to have been raised in a Christian home, but they're just as blessed at our new home. We're all together. Just like that too, celebrating. And, and I want to be in heaven with my church, celebrating. I want to see there everyone that was here this morning celebrating, saying, Pastor, it was so worth it. And I want to look at everyone that's saved. And I want to look at my life and all the struggles me and my family had to preach the gospel. And I want to say it was so worth it. It was so worth being broke all those years. It was so worth being tired. It was so worth preaching. And it was so worth having that empty church that no one cared about. It was so worth it because there's going to be a great gathering at heaven and forward's going to be there. And we're going to laugh and we're going to look at each other and we're going to say, so worth it. But see, I'm afraid. Because I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, hey, hey, where, where, where's so-and-so? Where, 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 is, where is she? Where is he? And we're all going to look and say, well, they're not here. And I, I'm afraid as a pastor, I'm going to look back and say, wait a minute, but they were in church with us. Wait a minute, but they volunteered in the ministry. They, they served. Wait a minute, they sang. They were there every Sunday. What do you mean it wasn't real? What do you mean it wasn't true? What do you mean they forfeited their soul for the world? And my prayer this Easter is for Judas. Who outwardly you think by coming to church you are right with God, but you are only made right with Jesus Christ when you repent of your sins and faithfully turn your life to Him. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. And if you die in your sins, you deserve death. That is hell for all eternity. But the free gift, amen, the free gift, say it with me, the free gift of God is eternal. Salvation is a free gift. You did nothing to earn it. It was given to you by grace, love that you don't even deserve. But he gave it for all who believe. Believe in Jesus. How many of you enjoyed that continental breakfast this morning? I know some of you did too much. Some of you, you walked in. I was watching. You know, I'm always watching. Some of you walked in this morning. You looked at that nice bread. No questions. You knew it was free, amen? Aren't you glad you go to a free church? And believe me, some churches will charge you for that meal today. But it was free. And you received it. You enjoyed it. You had the faith not to ask. You had the faith not to say, I don't deserve this breakfast. I haven't been in church since last Easter. You said none of that. You knew it was a free breakfast. When you came, you received it. That's what it means to receive Christ. It's free. You just have to receive it. 
and it was free for you, but not free for our church. It was paid for by the price. As though salvation is free, it came at a price, and that was Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And Jesus said, "It's finished. It's a free gift. It's eternal life." Because I want to make clear today that Jesus was clear. In Hebrews nine twenty-seven, the Bible says this. Don't miss this. I almost missed it. Put it up. Hebrews nine, twenty-seven. It says, "Just as one per each person is destined to die once." Isn't it crazy that all of us here in this earth, we say, "I wonder what my destiny is." I wonder what I'm destined to do. I wonder. Listen, I, I can answer that. You are all destined to die. That's it. You may be like Beyonce and feel like you are a destiny child, but listen, you and I are destined to die. Die how many times? Once and after. Notice that word. And what? Say it with me. After. One more time. That sounded so good. One more time. Why is this important? Because you die once, and then there is an after. And after that comes judgment. Not not reincarnation. I don't care how nice you are. You're not coming back as a dog. Some of you are coming back as a pigeon. If you believe that, there is no purgatory. Or I'm in the middle. I'm in a waiting room. The Bible has nothing to do with purgatory. That's a man-made idea. After death is judgment. And if you die without Jesus Christ, the wages of sin is death. You will be judged, and the sentence is death in hell. But we who follow Jesus and made our commitment and surrendered our lives and repented of our sins and turned to Jesus, our sins have been judged already. So we get in heaven by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. My question is today, as we close for Easter. You go do your activities and go to your lunches and do all of that, but don't leave this church without knowing that you have turned from your sins and given your life to Jesus. Because I thank God for the arrivals that were there early. I thank God for the late arrivals like Peter, but I pray for those who are like Judas who had every opportunity. But they were not. He was not in that tomb celebrating life. And Jesus would say to Judas, "I'm talking to you, Judas. It's up to you. And I'm here to tell you today. Why would Jesus die for us?" Why would Jesus die on the cross for our sins? We don't deserve it. We deserve death. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell for all eternity. Why would He do that? And here's a simple question: Why? With a simple answer. You ready? Because you are so worth it. You're so worth it. But it's up to you. And my prayer is that as we all gather, that we all join together and celebrate, and not one person here at Fold is left behind because they went like Judas to chase the world, forfeit their soul. It's not worth it. But today. You have every opportunity right now. You don't know when it'll be your last. Maybe you have more opportunities in the future. Maybe today could be your last. But right now, some of you, you're at that Peter. It's net. It's better to be late than never. Which choice are you going to make, late or never? Because I promise you, Judas is in hell. Not only saying not worth. But realize it's too late, and he will never have another opportunity again. 
Let's all stand to our feet as we close this Easter Sunday message. With respect to everyone in the room, don't move around, don't go to the bathroom now, it can wait. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I want to read the room right now one more time. If you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm a John. I was born in a Christian family, raised in the church, gave my life early to Jesus, and I'll be there. Would you show me your hand? God bless you. You, 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 okay. If you have, if you're saying, Pastor, I'm a Peter. I'm a late arrival in the world. I was lost. I didn't know better, but I'm glad I stumbled my way into Jesus, and I'll be there too. I'll see you in heaven. Would you put that hand up? God bless you. Every head bow, everybody closed, every hand down. If you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I think I might be a Judas. That's, that takes a bold, honest confession. I think I might be a Judas. I'm not sure if this is real. Maybe I outwardly look like I'm saved. It's all a performance. But after this Sunday service is over, my plan is to be in the world. My plan is to turn my back on Jesus, live for myself, live for pleasure, live for money, live for me and not Jesus. But honestly, it takes a true man or woman right now to say, I'm a Judas. If you're a Judas this morning, would you put that hand up and say, I might be a Judas. God bless you. I see you there. I see you. It's okay. It's okay. That's why you're in the house of God today. If you're tired of being a Judas, you're saying, Pastor, today I want to arrive when I die. I want my sins paid for by Jesus. That's you today. It's a free gift for you to receive. Would you put that hand up and say, Pastor? Today I surrender my life to Jesus. Put that hand up. If you're saying you're Jesus, God bless you. See you there. See you there. Would you pray this from your heart with faith and believe it today? Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for wasting my life and wasting every opportunity I had. It's not worth it. But today, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose. And I believe you are the only way to God the Father. So today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning, church, and you're celebrating the fact that you're going to arrive, be together with your friends and family in church, but deep down inside, some of you have loved ones friends, family, spouses, children that you fear for their soul. We pray for them right now. Would you allow me to pray for them? They may not even be in church today. But if there's someone you're thinking of right now, would you put that hand up? God bless you. So every hand up here. Wow. Just as Jesus sat down with Judas and warned him, and gave him the invitation and the opportunity. My question to you, church, what are you personally doing for them to hear and see the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't just celebrate that you are going to arrive and celebrate life. Make it your mission to say, I'm going to make sure my family members are there with me. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this Easter Sunday. We thank you for the early arrivals, the late arrivals, and for those who didn't, who almost didn't make it. We thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for our sins, giving us the free gift of salvation. Father, our hearts break for those right now in our lives who may not know you, Jesus. These are people that are in our homes, people that are in our workplace. These are children that we're raising, people that we're married to, people that we love. 
And I pray, Father, that you would give us a heart of desperation to see them come to you. Let us be a light in that darkness so that we, like the disciples in the tomb, could celebrate together life and that death has been conquered. So that all of us can look at each other and say, so worth it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise this Easter.